Hello my loves, Jazza here. Before we dive into this episode, which is a good one, just wanted to thank Jennifer and Toby for being Rainbow Parents on Patreon, our highest tier. You really are helping us to keep these lights on. Uh, Everybody else listening, think about joining us. Okay, enjoy! Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza John. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is queer, queer drag. drag. I kind of went for um, Dame Edna kind of like vibes yeah you went for like an old school panto dame drag yeah 100 percent. who were you channeling i don't know just like a drag queen who puts her arm in the air because that's just like all (laughs) i did to make it different today (laughs) no it's really beautiful today we're going to be talking about the iconic drag movie from 1995 to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar which is actually the full title of Tu Wong Fu. That's such a long title. It is ridiculous. Starring that guy from Blade, that guy from Ghost, and that guy who plays Sid the Sloth in Ice Age. Wait, does he? Yes, he's the voice of Sid from <laughs> I can't believe I've been describing it to everyone recently as he's currently playing the husband of Tony Collette in The Power when I should have been saying he plays Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. Yeah. But before we put on our Confederate flag drag, Jazza, what's the gayest thing you've done since the last episode? I had a pretty good gay time, you know? I, as you know, I have several pillars to my personality. Um, The Eurovision Song Contest, which is going to be the next episode's gayest thing that I've done, because I'm going, I'm flying into, as you know, I have several pillars to my personality. Mm -hmm. Um, The Eurovision Song Contest, which is going to be the next episode's gayest thing that I've done, because I'm going, I'm flying into the UK literally later today so that I can go up to Liverpool and watch all of the acts. Amazing. I also have obviously um the fact that i now live in new york did i mention that mm, and then finally surfing i am a little bit of a surf oh bro. You're a sur- wait didn't you used to be a rower is surfing the rowing of america you know what yes it could it could be general water sports not mm. like that um general water sports actually <laughs> to be completely honest um but i went on a week-long surf camp with a load of queers called the rainbow surf retreat i can recommend it look them up on instagram i've done a testimonial where i come across as somewhat unhinged but i had a great time longboarding in the fishing village of Imswan in morocco where i was only homophobed once which I think is pretty good. It's pretty good. Many once. Yeah. Nice to Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? What's your gayest thing? Oh, I went to the Diva Awards. Oh, for fuck's sake. Every year, Rowan. I got, ne- I got You named- out gay me. The thing is, I actually can't remember what, how long ago we recorded the last one. So maybe I already talked about this. But basically, I got named on the Diva 100 as a writer. Mm. Very exciting. Very queer. And then also, I went to the Diva Awards actual ceremony. Didn't win. But was on a t- specifically requested to be on a table with friends because I was like, I cannot think of anything that will trigger my social anxiety more than being a- on a table at like a five hour banquet event with total strangers. So it was very fun. I just sat with Juno Dawson and Lex Croucher and it was very my little buds. Oh, you know, just my like famous, my famous queer friends. Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd give 
them their full names, otherwise it just is a really boring story for people. Oh, you know, just like my friend. Just, do you so know I Dawson? just sat at a table with some friends. The end of the story. <laughs> who were nominated for the writing award specifically? I was nominated for influencer of the year, which is a weird title to potentially have. You've never, you've never influenced anybody in your life, Rowan. I was most interested, honestly, in the dessert experience that was promised. That turned out to just be a buffet table full of dessert, which honestly. 10 out of 10 in my book I ate sounds so like much. an experience they're little bags you could take away pick a mix I stole so many flying saucers it was 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. oh my god flying saucers I haven't thought about them in a very long time so yeah can recommend if you are ever to host an award show make sure there's a dessert table I thought you were going to say can recommend if you're ever nominated for a diva award <laughs> to the thing <laughs> no you've changed dude you've changed wow For those of you who are new here, here's how we are going to do things. So first, we're going to give a little bit of a background. This is queer drag as our genre, and uh, we'd be amiss to not talk about the pushback on drag culture and drag bands that are sweeping the United States at the moment, and how it compares with the arguably prolific depiction of drag movies in the mid-90s that the straights definitely loved. I would just like to say to everyone that Jazza said drag bands, B-A-N-S, because I fully heard when you first said it before we start recording, bands as in like B-A-N-D-S. N-D-S. And I was like, okay, talking about the drag bands, is that what they're called? That actually is that what sounds quite fun. they call the plural of drag artists, a drag bat, sure. A band, it's the, it's the, it's like a murder of crows, a yes, band a of band drags. Of drags. <laughs> so as always, we will be spoiling this movie. So if you care about spoilers, then go and watch it. This is an absolute classic. Which has aged somewhat since 1995, but honestly, not as much as I would have thought it had. Mm-hmm. And I, we would both, I think, recommend actually going and watching this before listening to the episode. If you do want to like watch a, a good bit of classic queer cinema, I would say it's worth it. 100%. So without further ado, let's grab a bigot by the balls and teach him some manners and watch Tu Wong Fu. So, uh, stuff is a bit shit in the US <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> to be completely honest. When it comes to politics and local legislations, deciding to introduce, and in the case of Tennessee, pass various kind of like flavors of bands of performing in quote unquote the opposite gender in public spaces. This is something that is being introduced kind of like across a number of states. I believe it's something like 14 now have introduced bills and Tennessee currently at time of recording is the only one that has one actually passed. Mm. From the perspective of I'm not just going to say I live in New York as a thing, but it feels really, really close to kind of like the life that I have out here. I consume JAG at least like every one or two weeks. And there really feels like there's a huge urgency at the moment around, I mean, obviously the homophobia and the transphobia that surrounds these bills, but also kind of like the general freedom of expression that goes alongside this. If there is anything positive It is the fact that it is very unlikely that many of these bands are going to be able to be sustained. They're incredibly impractical. However, it is still kind of like a huge pushback to 
a huge part of our culture that has become more and more visible over recent years, not least because of things like RuPaul's Drag Race, which is probably the touch point that most cishet people have with drag and that form of performance. But essentially, the right don't have any ideas, and so they need to tell everybody that they need to be scared about um, the queers and how we're going to recruit their children. So that's where we're at at the moment. Mm -mm. I mean, like, it's almost as if you living in New York, (laughs) so close to, I don't know, some kind of important inn that was uh, in, (laughs) had something to do with, there was a riot or something, I guess. Sure. Mm -hmm. And And that the, you know, hypothetically, the police raid there had been to do with people wearing too many items of clothing of the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. What? It's almost like it's happening again. Um, so like, yeah, this is like a very much a um, particular type of legislation which has a long history in terms of the connections between, both in terms of legitimate connections of community, but also ignorant connections uh, between like sexuality and gender. I think that it's like absolutely the idea of queerness in general, but specifically the attacks on trans people. Mm -hmm. I think it's no kind of coincidence that drag is like the most ostentatious version of the kind of holding a mirror to the ridiculousness of gender that people see as like the danger of trans people that drag is obviously something that intersects with the trans community but is not necessarily like it's not the same thing but Mm -hmm. to ignorant people it kind of is it's the same feeling of like oh this isn't what's natural this isn't what's right and so i think Mm -hmm. it's also as well as it being this kind of band that feels like it's specific to a part of the community which is linked to our joy which is linked to our income Mm -hmm. which is linked to community in terms of the drag culture of drag balls like activism as well like most it it very much is not just what i imagine some cishet people see on the outside even allies as like oh this is just some fun like we don't get to dress up like this is kind of a foundation of a lot of people's connection to queerness and community and so uh yeah it's very shit that this is happening and i think that it absolutely needs to be fought like as hard as possible from the ground up to stop this being like a thing that feels like it has any legitimacy because it will be used to fuel legitimacy of attacks on people outside of just a very distinctive, you know, place of income performance in a drag act space. Mm -hmm. That's Rowan's Soapbox for the day. Everyone's welcome. It was really good. And I want to give everybody... um, (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I want to give everybody... Because it can feel really at least stressful Mm -hmm. but it is also it feels really urgent and severe at the moment and i don't know about everybody else but i feel like i want to do stuff to try and make this better a couple of things go out and support drag go out and support local drag tip your fucking queens give them money and make sure that they can make it through this really turbulent time secondly the aclu uh, have a drag defense fund so because they'll be fighting these laws as they go through legislation and in the courts i'll leave a link in the show notes where you can donate directly to the aclu and the drag defense fund so there's a couple of things that you can do but (laughs) they don't always hate us do they so in the mid 90s we had huge films like Tu Wong Fu, mm-hmm. The Bird Cage. Yeah, I was going to say Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Mm-hmm. Paris is Burning came out in 91. Um like there was this kind of like 
you couldn't move for the number of media depictions of uh, generally straight men dressing up in drag, but it was a huge part of entertainment for the masses at the time, which, if anything, I think shows that the pendulum swings. Like, it isn't necessarily that the only way out of this isn't necessarily it getting worse there are kind of like the pendulum can swing back to be celebratory of this part of our of our culture yeah and i think one of the interesting things about this film in particular and and kind of other depictions of the era is that it isn't even what you would typically think necessarily in terms of using especially when you hear that it's a lot of straight actors taking these roles that it would be a sense of like oh the joke is going to be that these straight actors are in drag even though they are, it deals a lot with comedy, this kind of like strange little micro genre of the 90s, actually a lot like the, the drag bit is a bit that's taken seriously in these comedies a lot of the time. Like mm-hmm. it's not, uh, that's kind of not the joke. Like the joke is everything surrounding it. And I think it's really interesting. We uh, There was a, an interview only two days ago with one of the actors who's within this movie where he talked about the preparation that they did for the roles where they essentially went out to drag balls and got like training like they got they asked they were assigned to their own like drag mother and yeah, stuff yeah, right? like yeah. They, this was this was not a case of you know these actors are going to do like research based on how other films had depicted drag in the past which i think is always the worry when you have people depicting like communities especially marginalized communities they're not a part of is like okay my representation is based on like other flawed representation previously that in fact they were like, okay, we're going to do this and actually take it seriously. And I think that that to me felt like it came across within the script. Like, I don't know about you or like the performances. I don't know about you. Like it felt like there was like the fact that we had three very different types of drag within it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't kind of like a homogenized sense of just like, I don't know, they're just flamboyant and they dress in women's Mm -hmm. clothes. And like that is interchangeable, but there was like a real distinctness to each of their kind of uh, styles and outfits and everything. And so their characters as well. Absolutely. These are are deep, thoughtful characters with backstory and personality, like independent of it just being kind of like it's this this is not a movie that pokes fun at drag this is a movie that pokes fun at these individuals and they poke fun at one another and there's the and we see really great depictions of kind of like reading and sassiness that is so wonderful to see but the actors are clearly so invested in showing who these characters are Mm -hmm. and that's what i think makes this such a timeless movie is that beautiful characterization of the three leads well i guess something we should say actually is so this was released in 1995 and was the number one spot at the american box office for two weeks with nominations for golden globes in best actor and best supporting actor Mm -hmm. which is very exciting as like lauded performances within what is like does have elements of drama but primarily it's like a very funny movie as well like it feels like it's it's giving those like acting credits to to people, not just the idea of which, you know, sometimes happens of like, oh my gosh, a mm-hmm. straight person playing a drag queen or a gay person or a trans person. But just like, I feel like those would have been nominations on the strength of the performances in any eventuality. Yeah, definitely. And the, uh, so the three, our three leads are uh, Wesley Snipes, who plays Noxima Jackson, Patrick Swayze, who plays Vida, I can't remember what Vida's surname is, um, and John Leguizamo, who plays uh, Chi-Chi, the little land boy in drag. Oh, I love Chi-Chi oh, so much. I love Chi-Chi so much. My son, who is younger and older than me, 
John is now my child. That's just how it works after seeing this movie. But especially Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes were kind of like like big Hollywood mm. stars. And really, it's amazing to see people with that kind of caliber coming in and playing these roles and representing them. As we said earlier, in like such a great, joyful, celebratory way. Absolutely. Shall we get into, I mean, we separate the movie into three different acts. I mm -hmm. realized that I didn't, I did separate them into acts, but I didn't put the names of the acts down other than the last one. Did you have mm -hmm. a name for this first act? All of mine are literally just quotes. So my, okay, go on. my first one is little Latin boy in drag. Why are you crying? Yes. Amazing. 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I also would have picked that particular quote. So one of the, like this movie essentially opens with a classic, like getting ready montage. Oh, amazing. With salt and pepper, um, with a salt and pepper track going underneath it. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And it's really interesting to me because this is a very classic trope within drag and also trans narratives of like the, I like transform in the mirror, but it's often done in a very like deliberately like depressing way of like, oh no, who I am on the outside isn't who I am on the mm -hmm. inside. And it's like kind of become like a joke of a trope. Mm -hmm. Whereas this did it in a really joyous way. And then they also mirrored it with the cis girls makeovers later on so it became less of this like mm. a drag performance which is different because it's these men becoming women and it was more like getting ready makeovers and gender as a performance for everyone and i really appreciate like i came back to make a note on that mirror scene again because i was like oh my god it's like the exact same scene later in the movie and that's really interesting to me very progressive um very cool. uh, like especially it, not to talk too much about the uh, the ending but the fact that all of these cis women come out and say i'm a drag queen i'm a drag queen the guy's going i'm a drag queen i'm a drag queen very much mirrors the I th feel like it's it's beaten over the head at the moment. The the RuPaul phrase of we're all born naked and the rest is drag mm. really kind of like this movie seemed to, I don't know, we'll talk about this later on, but there are parts of drag culture and what it is to be a drag queen that it really understands. There are parts of it that it doesn't really, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But we open up with that getting ready montage and Noxima and Vida are getting ready to take part in the Drag Queen of the Year competition. I would also like to say uh, they're getting ready in New York. They live in New York where I live. Mm -hmm. um, no one has an apartment that big. No, but that always is what happens in play things set in New York. I don't think but I've it ever has seen, to be said, Rowan. I don't it think I've ever seen said. anyone with a reasonable size apartment in something set in New York in my life. But the idea is that they this is specifically the drag competition for New York City, where Jazza lives. But um, mm -hmm. whoever wins gets to go on a trip. And like the prize for the Drag Queen of the Year in New York is the expenses paid trip to Hollywood to take part in Miss Drag Queen of America pageant. Which can I just say is pretty much exact because the, when the BBC do Drag Race UK, they don't have prize money and their prize money is, is a trip to LA to like shoot a, a, a web series. That's so funny. Like that. I love that. It's, it's like the so BBC funny. is the same as this like random 90s drag pageant in new york like the prizes are exactly the same um and at this point we get a really strong sense of these three characters right so we have mm -hmm. patrick who is like the poised and elegant kind of femininity mm -hmm. like older older women maybe giving you kind of like uh, in the hamptons yes very exactly. much the vibes old money kind of energy which we find out later 
maybe based where in some family truths. So yeah. Noxima's characterization is kind of like this confidence, I think, just this utter like feeling of even being confident in being unsure sometimes or like mm-hmm. knowing when to when to back down like is the one mm-hmm. to like kind of like the realistic one almost of the group mm-hmm. which is very much contrasted to Chi Chi's adorable nervous energy big excitable 80s Madonna amazingness that is going on that is like so that lime green dress is just stunning. the best thing yeah I'd wear that in a heartbeat and it's a really joyous opening where like everyone is cheering in the bar. They clearly know all the performers. They mm-hmm. everyone's clearly rooting for for like their favorites. RuPaul enters as possibly the best named drag queen of all time in mm-hmm. a Confederate flag dress. Yes. Called Rachel Tension. Mm-hmm. I lost my like I was already like this is going to be a pretty fun movie I lost my fucking mind I was like this movie is just going to be unhinged mania comedy the whole way through Mm -hmm. I'm so into it I was trying to type in my notes like jokes as they happen because normally I like to make a note of them so we can talk about them and and joke around with them on the podcast there's too many jokes in this movie to know all of them it's very overwhelming the quote wikipedia page is too long it's so long and it's because even like asides under character's breath in the background of another conversation are funny like Mm -hmm. i absolutely loved it and we Mm -hmm. get our classic inciting incident which is it's a tie shock (gasps) horror i would like to say before we have the tie i just want to like call out that these were all legitimate working drag queens in new york at the time so the couple that i know from former town in new york no actually um uh so there's lady bunny is there coco peru is there and a ton of others who all like went out auditioned a load of them have done kind of like stories about how they auditioned for these roles and it's just it was just like a really fun oh my god i recognize her oh my god i recognize her these like real titans of the drag scene in new york which is very it was really really cool to see as well as then of course having mother herself Mm. rupaul charles So we get this shock horror tie, which again, I love the fact that this tie is not seen as like some kind of drama between these two drag queens. It's not going to tear them apart. They're like super excited to both of one. Like they're clearly friends. Everything's great. Mm -hmm. Little Chi Chi is very sad about not winning, even though everyone else definitely knew that she wouldn't. Uh, She like runs off the stage trips it's very like toddlers and tiaras energy from her as the other two are like tears gracious winners and then we have them sort of i mean like we imagine that they have to have met and that they were in this competition together but i think this is the first time that they've like actually had a proper interaction which Mm -hmm. is where the uh delightful quote that is our act one name comes from little latin boy in drag why are you crying on the staircase and chi chi rodriguez goes um i don't know you're just all so beautiful you know um and uh is like uh, with foundation that's like three shades too too light for her skin tone and um she's there sobbing on the things and vida decides to uh take chi chi under her wing and teach her how to do drag noxima is less happy about this Mm. but kind of like goes along with it and they decide to cash in their plane tickets to los angeles and trade it in so that they can take chi chi along with her in order to do this they go to 
I have no idea what Robin Williams's role is in this movie, but he has this short kind of like cameo part. situation. Do you remember what his character is called? Um, no, because I just put in all capital letters, Robin Williams is in this question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Mm-hmm. And that's all the notes that I seem to have made on that scene. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Incredible. And they say oh, his full name. They, they, uh, JJJS. Um, they, they say his full name, John Jacob Jinkelheimer Schmidt, about five times in this so one much. scene. It's so funny. So, okay. There is, there is this very famous like kind of screenwriting now turned into a novel writing book called save the cat Mm -hmm. and it works it like lays out a bunch of uh narrative structure stuff but one of the things it says is like in the first like opening scenes when we first meet the the, our main character they need to save the cat and the idea is that they do something that lets you know that they're a nice person so it's like aladdin giving those kids like the bread that he'd stolen Mm -hmm. it's like okay no matter if he's like a criminal he's a thief whatever we aren't meant to see him as a bad person he's a good person at heart and i love the fact that the save the cat moment in this that tells us that these two are lovely is that they take that little latin boy in drag and they take him to hollywood california with them and Mm -hmm. we know in that moment Yes, they they saved that tiny little cat boy, and they are they are taking <laughs> her all the way to Hollywood, California, which I absolutely love. Everyone, uh, what else? Okay, so I also have in all capital letters: my cars are my children. Why is everyone in this movie incredible? The banter. So I'm going to assume that that was about elijah who was selling them the car that note but basically that was at the point at which i stopped trying to write down all the jokes because i just found everything so fucking funny mm-hmm. so they've traded in their ticket their plane tickets to uh, get some money back from john jacob jingleheimer schmidt and they're like can we take the bus and Noxima's like i'm not getting on the bus know your history um and uh <laughs> they're like can we get the train and they can't afford the train and so their solution is to get a secondhand used car they have a choice between a practical i believe it's a toyota corolla or a 1967 Cadillac DeVille. They catch a glimpse of themselves in the mirror reflected, showing them what they look like. Still, by the way, they're in full drag for this whole movie. Yeah. Which I think is the most unrealistic thing about this. Like, they get ready for bed in drag. They go to the (laughs) shops in drag. They, like, check into the hotel in drag. There is no taking the drag off. Which, if you ever met a drag queen... the vast majority of drag queens that i have ever met the best part of their night is taking off the drag Mm -hmm. but it's okay this is heightened fantasy right so they decide to go style over substance get themselves a cadillac and they set off to los angeles in this drop down oh accompanied by a signed photo of julie newmar who you can only really describe as statuesque which is they found it in the bar where they were um, talking with, to, with John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt earlier. And Vida was like, oh, she's clearly looking over us. This is going to be our talisman for this trip. Um, and it's signed this statuesque photo of Julie Newmar to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Oh, title, title of the movie. Title of the movie reference. Title of the movie. Do we ever find out who Wong Fu is? No. No, unimportant. But- Don't worry about it. Unimportant. Don't don't think too much about it. Um, and so they end up putting that on their dashboard as they drive off mm-hmm. across uh, the country. Yeah. Due west. I would just like to point out, I'm going to do one joke point out here, which is that they, one of them, I don't even know who it is, but one of them says, I feel like Jay Mansfield in this car. Jay Mansfield died in a car crash. Like this is the, this is the level of like savage humor that's in this. And as anyone who has listened to this podcast knows the way me and Jazz speak to each other, 
Savage Humor is is absolutely our happy place. Mm-hmm. And so I was very uh, much into every every joke in this mm-hmm. movie. Some call it bullying, Rowan. Some do. Um, you know, but they wouldn't know. But, you know, we don't. So there we go. <laughs> On the road, they kind of do this. We get like a little bit of background of their characters because we pass we go past Vida's house or like the old Mm. kind of like Vida's parents' house. And it was suddenly the aesthetic of Vida's drag becomes like, has this extra layer to it because it's like, Oh, this is like, like your mother's clothes. Like this is very much what was going on. And we get a real sense of like, this is an estranged relationship. The mum kind of like comes out of the door, sees them immediately like closes the door And so it's very, we kind of get this sense of like tragedy and comedy living alongside each other, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a big part of this movie, I think. As like hysterical as it is, it doesn't shy away from some of the more like intense or difficult parts of life. Um, So even like this really funny scene about the little Latin boy in a dress on the staircase crying, like the stuff he's saying is talking about like sex work that he's doing that he doesn't mm-hmm, enjoy. Mm-hmm, and so you mm-hmm. have these these kind of duality to this movie that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And we have, there is, I don't, like this does provide background for our characters, but yeah. there is kind of like this weird preamble where they're like, we're in the car now. And uh, then all of a sudden we've broken down and we're in this small town in the middle of nowhere in, mm-hmm. uh, in America. And we have another scene where they are looking for a place to stay for the night. And there, you have the naivety of Chi-Chi coming up against the experience and the anxiety that Noxima and Vida have of being clocked as men in dresses. And Chi-Chi's like, bugger it, I don't care. We're not going to sleep in the car. I'm going to go and walk confidently into this motel and um, see if they have a place to stay. And they get welcomed in at the door by the compare because he thinks that these larger than average women are basketball players and then we have a scene where noxima dunks a basketball the next morning because somehow they've also been roped into the actual tournament that has happened it's just like it's literally like a minute of the movie is dedicated to this but i wanted this b plot to be so much more i wanted them like being integrated into the basketball women's team obviously there's going to be a load of lesbians there because sports Mm -hmm. i'd have loved to have seen a little bit more of that but alas it is just a little flash in the pan of the background of these characters yeah there's like another little cute little scene like a little montage of this trip where they are dancing in the car and the car is going alongside a railway track all of these like sad looking commuters start dancing along with them and it's just this like joyous energy that they're bringing to like everything that's going on around them and then we have a whiplash of a tone change as the police pull over their car Mm -hmm. and um we have the like multiple tensions in the car of like being a black person who's been pulled over by the police, being a drag queen who is dressed as a woman but has Eugene on your driver's license. Mm-hmm. Like all of these elements start coming in and we have this real sense of like, okay, we have no idea where this is going at this point in the movie, like what tone we're going to be going down, whether it's going to be the more like comedy route or the dramatic route or like how this is going to play out Mm -hmm. and it plays out quite horrifically within this scene so he asks Vida to get out of the car this is the the sheriff whose name is uh printed on his badge as dullard but he keeps the running joke is it was a misprint it's dullard 
he's a dullard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we see what you did there, movie. <laughs> thank you so much. And so we have this tension of like, Vida is trying to essentially pass as a cis woman in order for this like not to be questioned mm-hmm. and is kind of like worried that this he that there's going to be some kind of like tension potential hate crime situation around that yes whereas the dullard is apparently seeing a woman that he can take advantage of and wants to you know, maybe ask, um, not even ask, maybe get Vida to to do something physical with him to get out of this potential uh, police issue. It all looks like it's going to end in like a horrific assault scene uh, until Vida essentially is like, okay. Get your hand off my dick. Absolutely not. And um, takes Dullard out. To quote the movie, even though uh, we are asked not to quote the movie, don't quote me, but I think this man is deceased. Vida, it seems... <laughs> has killed the sheriff. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, even though on the ground and drive off, leaving a single Cinderella-style slipper shoe, a single pump um, in the road as evidence. Mm. Is that going to come back and bite them on the ass? Probably. Who did, can tell? So they come up to, they drive off, they come up to a rest stop, and I guess they get over it by doing a costume change. Yeah, they're like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Happens. And then they can't restart the car. It is kaput. And... Uh, Chi Chi is like, well, bugger this. I'm not going to die out here. Don't worry about me. Um, I can hitchhike for us. I've got more, the, the iconic line, I've got more legs than a bucket of chicken. And she goes out, just kind of like, oh, adjusts her stocking on the road where Bobby Ray, a young man from a nearby town called Snydersville, mm. passes by. Very straight sounding town name. But it's such a straight sounding town. It's because it's got Ville on the mm, end. Snydersville. Uh, and he drives them into Snydersville where they find a place where they can stay. They find a mechanic who can try and fix their car. And we're introduced to Carol Ann, who is Motor Virgil, who is the person who's going to fix the car. I, at this point, this is like where I went on to act two. I don't know if this is where you cut it as well. This is exactly, this is oh exactly Oh my God, look at us go. Is. We're yeah. like in the new, the new world, right? We're establishing the new world and the new world mm-hmm. for them, um, for the rest of this movie is this like town that they have pulled into and just simply can't get out of. Hello, everybody. Jazza here for the ad read. As I'm sure many of you are aware, we are part of the wonderful podcasting collective Multitude. And so we like to give a little bit of shout out to one of our podcasting siblings every single episode. This episode, we're talking about spirits. You know spirits. We've had the spirits, beautiful creatures on our podcast as guests before. We love them very much. Spirits, if you don't know, is a history and comedy podcast focused on everything folklore, mythology, the occult, all told through the lens of feminism, queerness, and modern adulthood. Every week, our very own editor, Julia, and her childhood best friend, Amanda, get together to learn about a different story from mythology and folklore over a lovely little tipple. That's everything from mythological origins of major franchises like lord of the rings and wonder woman to modern urban legends to a roundup of werewolf stories from around the world we did one a while back about vampires and ranking vampires which was really fun to do if you haven't heard it check that episode out 
you can start listening to any of the 300 episodes that they've released over the last six years. There's so much to enjoy, whether you're here for analysis of mental health in mythology or creepy modern ghost stories. Just dive in at spiritspodcast.com or search for Spirits wherever you download your podcasts. We are also continuing to be supported by Squarespace, who can help you to buy a domain and create a website. They have supported us for a really long time, and it's because you guys keep on using the code that we have. If any of you don't know what Squarespace is, it is a service online for website creation, and we love using it to be able to have access to in-depth analytics, create things like email campaigns, and connecting all of our social media in one place, because it can be really annoying having lots of social media accounts. Um, It's a hard life being an influencer. We know you hear a lot from a lot of your favorite digital independent media folks um, offering their discount codes, but it would really help us if you chose to use ours and help support this here queer movie podcast. All you need to do is go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. And when you're set up to make all of your digital dreams come true, you can use the offer code queer movie. That's all one word to save 10 percentage points off the first purchase that you make of a website or a domain name. Just go to squarespace.com slash queer movie. And I'm sorry, there's usually another ad read here from a sponsor, but an otter standing up on their back legs has just handed me a damp index card that reads, Good day. I'm Cherbis. Am I speaking? I'm saying that right. Cherbis, Chubby, Chubu. Um, spokes otter for Nerdy Kepi, a quality queerwear company from Portland, Oregon. Oh, okay, cool. Well, nice to meet you, Cherby. The card continues to read: Nerdy Kepi, family-owned, trans-operated, and oh, unionized, offering pride gear that's subtle, sustaining, and suitable for work. In a variety of pride flags with sizes up to 5XL in most items. What you can do is use the coupon code QueerMovie for 20% off your first purchase. Nerdy Kepi, find us... This was such a weird ad read. There obviously isn't an otter here. I wish there was. Um, But genuinely, they're a really cool queer clothing company. It's like Hot Topic does queer shirts. Go find them. All you have to do is go to ithaspockets.gay, which is a great domain name. Go to ithaspockets.gay and use code QueerMovie. Right, that's one of my favourite ad reads I've ever done. Uh, you can, We can go back to the show now. <laughs> Goodbye. I loved 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 obviously it was part of the plot that they are like fully aware that they're in this like small town they don't know how people are going to react to them they've pulled in kind of when it's dark and so they're trying like caroline takes them up to their room in the bnb like turns the light on they quickly turn it off again to be like don't look at us too closely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But <laughs> my favorite so thing much. about it is like it's obviously in the context of the movie about like don't look at us too closely whereas in my head i'm like classic queers rejecting classic gays and the big light smaller yeah. lights dotted around the room which ultimately <laughs> is the same amount of light i was like wow we really have never changed and we get like these little moments with them which like expand their characters more so chi chi for example has these like romance comics or like erotica mm-hmm. comics that like she's constantly thumbing through and quoting from and reading from to the rest of them. Like clearly is this like hopeless romantic character, which is very sweet, which is obviously going to play into like the B plots that are going on with her. And we kind of like 
wake up the next morning to basically what seems to be just the whole small town here mm-hmm. to attempt All 20 to of them. figure out what's going on with this car. And it becomes very apparent that they are very much stranded in this town for at least the weekend while waiting for a replacement part for the car. And it's kind of like at this point, you know, this isn't a place for us. We'll just keep our head down, I guess. We're going to just try and sort of nope out of this situation with these locals. Yeah, Vida like asks the women of the uh, of the town and you see the gender divide very clearly. Mm, very like starkly. It's women on one side, all of the men on the other and the queens in the middle. And Vida goes up to the, to the ladies and is like, hello, thank you so much for having us. Um, are there any sites that we sh- really shouldn't miss while we're in town? And it's like, this is a dirt road. There are no sites. We are the sites. There are no sites. We are the sites. And so we also at this point cut to our like C plot line, I guess, which is the police officer, because he, in fact, is not deceased. That man is alive. (laughs) We cut to the morning after. So he's been lying on the floor the whole time. For like the whole day. Only wakes up when other police officers turn up because apparently he hasn't like checked in. Yeah, he hasn't checked in. And he's like, oh, I was uh, beaten up. And they all start ridicule him because uh, he thinks that he's been beaten up by a girl. And then goes on a like says oh it's actually it was drag queens because of the dick incident and so dollard goes around and starts his little b-plot of trying to find the women going around with like a sketch of like what vida looks like Mm -hmm. um showing it to people and people like no no idea he has a list that he labels places for homos oh my god do you know what the places are there's a florist i believe yeah. Is one okay. Of them? okay. Okay. Give me so, the list. He, so he scratches off the florist number two, and so and the impression is the rest of the list is like these are the places that he's going. So he's been to the florist. They haven't seen Vida. The second place is ballet school. Bearing in mind places for homos. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Place three: flight attendant lounges. <laughs> I love the idea that he's going to have to like break into an airport. Like he's going <laughs> to, yeah. and they were like, we, we just like off screen, he's had to like imp- do some kind of like catch me if you can style impersonation of a pilot to get access yeah. to try and like yeah. check this out. And I'm sorry, places four and five are just too accurate that I'm like, this is a pretty good search plan. Um, Place four is restaurants for brunch and place five is antique stores. And I'm like, where's the lie? Again, where's the lie? The, the, truly, the community hasn't changed because we were like no. it up in the 90s and we still are today. Yeah. Can't believe that our culture has been appropriated by so many fucking gin women uh, who love to go little... <laughs> come to our bottomless brunches and and the cheek to not let bottoms into brunch as well so rude from like really our community you're gonna block from the brunch have you tried stand up rowan that was a really funny thank you so much i'm actually (laughs) (laughs) multi-talented so yeah he's essentially it's this is an interesting plot line right because he said some stuff within these like the police officer within uh, like this initial scene where he's talking to the other police officers, which is like genuinely harrowing. So he's like, I'm going to bring back three corpses. Yeah. But like it's played off in such a ridiculous way that it's almost for me, 
it wasn't necessarily that they were making light of like how dangerous the situation might be. To me, it felt like it was a signaling to an audience that like, don't worry, this won't turn out bad. Mm -hmm. It was like a, okay, we're going to give you this sense of like a slightly farcical villain so that you know that it's, this isn't going to take some horrible like left turn in the very end. And like, it was going to be a lesson for straight people about how dangerous it is to be a drag queen. And that he was actually just going to come and like shoot them in the street. Like it felt like it was this energy of like, let us explain the tone to you so that you understand that like we are acknowledging that it can be really dangerous but this movie is not going to go there and I appreciated that like tone indications that it was giving us throughout with these different plot lines 100% so back at the village or the town the queens are still by the way in full drag in the meantime they have done a little bewitched there's a lot of um bewitched callbacks in this lots of like the wiggling of the nose lots of like the nodding of the head because they're magic because queens are magic Mm -hmm. um so they've redecorated their whole room uh, so it feels more at home and they've been wandering around getting all the gossip on everybody from carolan about all of the other people in the village and they decide they hear about the strawberry social Mm -hmm. which i guess is like a village fate is like the equivalent it's never really explained but immediately as soon as i heard the strawberry social i was like get me a fucking ticket that sounds delightful and they come up with the theme which is what i called this act by the way which is brilliant get a gaze to do your branding red and wild stunning stunning they're having a day with the girls yeah they're going out with the girls they decide to start helping to organize the strawberry social they obviously do makeovers of all of the women of in town. Really fantastic. They make friends with the kid who owns the thrift store and start giving him literature to read and dress him up in kind of like these really, basically the kind of suits and outfits that Tom Daly is now wearing mm. on a regular basis. Very good gay reference there, Jessa. With a little neckerchief. Thank you so much. I'm tying it in. As you said, we haven't changed. As they're kind of like going around doing like a girl's day out with um, all of the women in the town, they get confronted by all of the lads. Lads, lads, lads. The lads are just being quite rude to the ladies after they've had their makeup. And uh, in the iconic scene where Noxima goes up to the ringleader of all of the yobs, grabs him by the genitals, walks him over and makes him be really polite and nice and lovely and ask how are they doing to all of the ladies. Mm-hmm. That's one way to teach etiquette. My note on this scene is just in all capital letters, get wrecked, Chad. <laughs> which I think it summarizes it pretty well. Um, there's also like, as I talked about the idea of Chi-Chi having this like cute little romance subplot energy. Oh yeah. Yeah, so Bobby Ray- The one who picked them up. Yeah, the before, one who t- picks, yeah. picked them up in the truck um, kind of takes on this cute little date situation. I also in all capitals at this point put, not him looking at the titties though. <laughs> He's like smitten. They go on like a date in a sunflower field. They He does graffiti for her. It's like very like these, look at these crazy teens. There's so much day drag in this. It's great. It's honestly stunning. And there's also, we also get introduced. There are so many like mini plots, but they they feel really cohesive. None of them feel like unearned where mm. the lovely lady that they're staying with is in an abusive relationship. Virgil is yeah. a piece of shit. Caroline. Um, mm-hmm. Caroline is amazing. Vida tries to help with dinner and puts like some spices in. It's literally paprika. Papri- is I paprika spices. even a spice? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, no. But she says like, we don't, don't do that. Absolutely not. We don't do spice here. Virgil doesn't like it. And Vida clearly is like, I know exactly what's happening here because I have also like is trying to explain to her like Mm -hmm. i know exactly what's happening i understand 
but Caroline like isn't quite ready to accept that someone else like sees what's happening mm-hmm. and wants to help. And so at that point, it's kind of like dismissed, but we we know it's going to come back around mm-hmm. and come back around does. So Caroline's unable to join them for this like fun time because she's just being sad. Being she's sad she's indoors. busy trying. Well, I feel busy like the whole time. Busy making chili or whatever it is that doesn't need any spice. I feel like the idea is that she spent this whole time trying to get the paprika out of the chili. Yeah, <laughs> I not think it's basically well. what happened. Because then eventually Virgil comes in and we see this escalate. And it, we get to the evening where all of the, the queens are in their rooms and we hear the there be a ruckus and Vida is like well Caroline is being beaten up by Virgil and I won't stand this anymore Vida goes in takes Caroline out of the situation and then slaps Virgil around the face to which everybody cheers and whoops absolutely stunning there is like an interesting fight that also happens between Chi Chi and Vida at this point as well Mm -hmm. where they get like (gasps) so vicious with each other in a way that's like very clearly not just like joking around like there is they are really trying to hurt each other. And at this point I was just like, please don't fight everyone. Let's just love each other. Mm-hmm. Where Vida is not uh, supportive of Chi Chi wanting to date Bobby Ray because she says like, you're deceiving him. Mm-hmm. And Chi Chi is like, you couldn't cut it as a man. So you had to put on a dress. So there's like just really vicious stuff right and then she walks forward and the wig gets snatched right off of her head by a a dangling ornament from the ceiling snatched bald absolutely literally and emotionally yeah but there is this kind of element of like we like we saw so much of the sisterhood and then this kind of like parental type energy that they had like protective energies that they've kind of grown to have towards Chi Chi and we we know it's all going to be fine in the end we know they're all gonna make up in the end and so we have the Virgil getting absolutely destroyed as he should Mm -hmm. runs away with his tail between his legs Chi Chi and Bobby kiss on the porch kiss kiss that's Mm -hmm. my exact note but he says the classic I love how you wouldn't keep secrets from me Uh, wow okay well bobby ray listen Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's not she's sitting on a secret so bobby ray has an admirer in town bobby lee who is another girl in town which i've I've just got to say i know that this is meant to be in the middle of nowhere um but you should not be dating somebody who has the same name as you I mean, it's very gay to do that. So, you know, the straights are getting... In a, head- sorry, in, a he- in a heterosexual... Oh, yeah, yeah No, it is. Yeah, very, oh. very fair. Um, and so Chi-Chi is essentially like, well, I'm literally about to, like, leave. I'm not going to be coming back here. Bobby Lee really likes him. So she's like, oh, I had my whirlwind romance. Mm-hmm. And then they doll her up. make her, They give her, like, a Sandy in Greece makeover mm-hmm. and teach her how to kind of, like, how, look, how to look at him and the manners, the manner in which she should talk to him. And uh, it works, and then they're together. Whoop. Um, B-prop resolved. It was very quick, but, like, Bobby yeah. Ray has absolutely no loyalty. That man rebounds so fast. This is also where I went on to act three, which I have called the aftermath and its party. Oh my God, Rowan, that's so crazy that you've called it that because we usually call it the party and its aftermath. But I changed it round. I'm so cookie. I'm so crazy. Do you want to like explain yourself? I'm um, I'm actually queering the queer movie podcast. (laughs) So um, 
basically we actually kind of like this ends on a party like that's like we have a bunch of mm -hmm. fallout from all of these different storylines that we've been kind of threading together and the party's the bit afterwards so it's very fun so everyone is like dancing and being cute and at this point in the story I'm like what was so strawberry about this social and then I realized that everyone's just dancing because it's just a normal night, I guess, for them. And the strawberry <laughs> social, in fact, hasn't happened yet. I was very confused. And the three of drag queens are like on this balcony looking down at them, like all of these straight people who are like dancing together and they're all, you know, the boys are being polite to the girls. Like they've learned their lesson. They've all been made over and looked beautiful. These two bobbies are dancing together in their, and they're just, they're like angels in their white outfits. And then I've put... Mm -hmm. Like three fairy poppins, if you will. <laughs> um, again, listen. Oh I wish God. I, I wish I had a stand-up like gig going that I could like plug at this point. But yeah, no, you no gotta just listen does. to more episodes of this fucking comedy gold you're getting over here. Mm -hmm. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and then at this point, we flash back to the police officer, and Virgil enters the scene that he's in mm -hmm. which i predicted because we watched this together and we were commenting on it together and jazza had to tell me to shut the fuck up so many times because i would predict things that were going to happen in the movie it's so it's so annoying <laughs> i won't because you anymore, see you see all of the that's a lie don't lie to me <laughs> um you see all of the patterns and you're like oh that wasn't surprising at all whereas i'm living everything like, in the moment specifically in the moment yeah yeah i have no idea what's just happened or what's happening in the second um and so i'm just like wow that was so surprising and rose they're like well he's definitely gonna like those two plots are gonna collide and i'm like no <laughs> shut up Rowan, shut up um so yeah virgil and the basement get together obviously the two people with the grievance and they kind of have the pieces of the puzzle that they need to fit together um and so we know we're pretty sure that this is about to become mm -hmm. explosive, but we get, we come back to um, them as they are in the little town. Um, it turns out that Carol Ann, it turns out has known that Vida is a drag queen the entire time. Mm -hmm. There is this moment where Vida is trying to kind of like confess to her like, oh, well, actually. Well, Car Carol Ann has just, because Virgil's buggered off. Um, oh yeah. Carol Ann, um, actually women do it better. Carol Ann fixes the, the car. Oh yeah, as she, as she shouldn't does. They're saying thank you. They're saying goodbye and all of those kinds of things. And Carol Ann, as Vida is trying to get out and confess to her that she's a drag queen, Carol Ann says, it's, it's just been really great to have like a girlfriend and a girlfriend with an Asm's apple. Yeah, the very like a lady friend. And it's like mm -hmm. this this same energy of like, oh no, I have deceived you. How mm -hmm. can you think about me the same way if you don't know I'm not your lady friend? And then she says, I'm very fortunate to have a lady friend who just happens to have an Adam's apple. And I'm like, very cute. We cry. Mm. The car is done. Now they all mm -hmm. have to like wave. I then say, wait, everyone is in red. Is this the party? Because I at this point now realize that that wasn't the party. Yeah. And the policeman arrives. And we have this like standoff between this police officer. Spaghetti Western style. Absolutely. He was like, come to this town who is saying stuff that you could hear any day of the week at these horrendous anti-drag protests that have been happening around mm -hmm. like, don't protect these like freaks, these boys in dresses, like this mm -hmm. unnatural stuff. It gets pretty severe to be honest. We've just had a lovely time. It really does. We've been having like, don't just like chill out, have some strawberry lemonade, which I imagine is what they're serving at the strawberry social. Oh, um, <laughs> and there is this like reverse Cinderella situation with like the shoe of evidence that we found and mm -hmm. like this incredible like Western standoff Cinderella moment, which I, I'm going to say, 
I don't know if I've ever seen a Western Cinderella standoff in a Cinderella adaptation <laughs> before, but I loved it. And we see this incredible, like, red veiled figure of Vida come out and like it's very it's very my fair lady with like a big wedding veil oh, kind it's of fucking thing. red my fair lady yeah and it's, it's a beautiful coming dress. through because it's and like, we assume it's Vida. it's like you know give up these drag queens and no one gets hurt kind of energy and yeah. Vida comes out and it's stunning beautiful whatever but then plot twist it's not Vida. <gasps> Who is it, Rowan? It's Caroline. Remember her name now? Yeah. <laughs> I'm now. I remember because Caroline Duffy is a lesbian, so it's making sense in my head now. <laughs> and the townspeople, when as this policeman's like, "That's not her," and she's like, "I am a drag queen," and he's like, "No, you're what? No, you're not." And then all of the like, "I am Spartacus style." All of the townspeople yes. come forward and we're like, "I am a drag queen. I am a drag queen." To which, do you remember what you put in the chat at this point? Oh no. You put go off bio queens. <laughs> Which I thought again was maybe the funniest thing you've ever said to me in your life. That was hysterical. <laughs> I Oh no. Uh, it was beautiful. Because I'm like, you could technically be drag queens. We don't discriminate here. But I don't think yeah, that was the point the movie was making. Um but yeah, it was like a very classic, like they stand up for the drag queens, like it's very sweet, new friendships, we love to see it. We have this police officer saying like really horrible stuff about like, you don't know how dangerous these people really are. Like all of this stuff, townspeople are not having it. We have this incredible like orchestral like swell of music of the score mm. during yeah. a lot of this end stuff, which is like fantastic. It gives it a lot of like gravity and emotionality to it. I like it a mm -hmm. lot. And 10 out of 10, basically, we love to see it. Time for an emotional goodbye, I guess. Uh, oh, yes. Um, I was like, you're missing the most important part of the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. We we this is like the we've 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 solved the in, okay. the actual dilemma, but now we need to actually yeah. get to the end of the plot. So now remember why they were doing this? Oh yeah, they're going to a drag queen competition in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, they're going to in in Los Angeles, Hollywood, California, I believe. Ha Hollywood, California. So this is like they have the cute party. They have the, the strawberry social. Well done. The aftermath happened. Mm -hmm, now the party mm -hmm. time begins. They say goodbye to everyone. We get very emotional. Like I've, I've put here, you get an emotional throwback reference. And <laughs> yeah. you get an emotional throwback <laughs> reference. Everyone is having a beautiful time. Vita and Carol Ann like bond over like being mothers as well. Sure. There's yeah. like this moment of like, I got these girls to raise. Like, oh, I'm going to be <laughs> like talking about the kids that she has versus like Chi Chi. And it's just like a very sweet, like we have this legitimizing of their place as like elders within their community yes. in a weird way. But yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. really appreciated it. And like this mm -hmm. very sweet friendship between them. Mothers of their own houses. This is what I'm saying, right? And then she says, I love you Vita Boheme. We have a surname. Mm -hmm. And then Vita says, I've been waiting a long time for someone to say those words to that name. And I'm so glad that it was you that said them, which like, oh. I literally was like fucking chills. Like it's such a beautiful love story between like a platonic love story between mm -hmm. like these two characters. And I was like, stunning, love it. Mm -hmm. I and then she's like, I don't think of you as a man. I don't think of you as a woman. I think of you as an angel. And I was like, oh my God. It's like, oh, she. I identify as angel. I identify <laughs> as an angel too. Carol Ann, please tell me that. And then obviously we just, we just now are in Hollywood, California. Yeah, we cut to the drag queen competition, which by the way is called the Miss Drag Queen of America pageant. Stunning. And Stunning. I also at this point about 30 Ruined seconds before the I ending. guess the ending. 
But like, I didn't even think it was like an important guess. I would just like typed into the chat, like, oh, I can't wait for so-and-so to win. And Jasper was like, Rowan! <laughs> Not again! Chi-Chi, our young protege, our drag princess, wins the Miss Drag Queen mm-hmm. of the Year America pageant show. Stunning. As she should. And it's really amazing, because all through this movie, Chi-Chi's looks a little bit busted. Um, uh, uh, like, Wow. Uh, drag her, I guess. Hey, I, I, I at least know what my foundation shade yeah, is. Yeah, that's um, fair. Um, but then she comes out at the end, crowned the winner of this pageant, and looks stunning, like absolutely amazing. Serving like face, 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 face in this beautiful like bejeweled gown. And who presents the award? Albert Einstein. Julie Neymar herself. Oh. Who has been their guardian angel the whole this whole time. time. Stunning. And you know what? She does look really statuesque. Mm, truly. Mm. And that's the end that's of the movie. That's the end of the movie. So we've reached the end of the movie. And at this point, we need to give it our special gay rating. So this is how it works. We are going to give it a score out of six. Six, you say? What a weird number to do a score out of. Well, actually, (laughs) that's the number of stripes on the rainbow flag. So we give it a score out of the the six stripes. And then we say which colors those stripes are. Because the colors of the flag do, in fact, have meanings. So red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, and purple for spirit. So Jazza, how many stripes are you giving and what colours are you assigning this movie? Am I just going to give it six? I am. Am I just going to give it, for, am I just going to give it the full rainbow? I full am. Yeah, I am. I'm going to mm-hmm. give it the full rainbow. This is a full rainbow movie. This I, is a full rainbow movie. I think this is only the second time that we've ever had a full rainbow movie. Mm-hmm. And from both of us. This is pretty, yeah. this is a pretty, this is pretty legendary in the history of the queer movie wow. podcast. Law keepers of the podcast. Put this date in your diaries. Truly an iconic film. Yeah, very very rarely do we both like a movie and therefore give a movie the same, Mm -hmm. like all of the things. So that's, yeah, look at that. That was stunning. I think it's just the case. It's just like, it's such a movie of its time, but also it holds up enough for it still to be an enjoyable watch. It's very genuinely witty. It felt like watching it, that it was done with a lot of integrity. And like, since we watched it, these interviews of popped up like very recently about how they did the fucking work they did the work on it and i'm like and it showed like it felt we felt that as we were watching we were talking about how it felt and like it's it was completely backed up by these behind the scenes stories we're hearing now so six out of six baby 12 out of 12 12 out of 12 yes Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy these episodes and want to help us keep this podcast going, we ask that you consider supporting us on Patreon. As a patron, you can join our queer movie club where we do watch-alongs on our Discord each month. We actually watched Tu Wong Fu as part of our Discord watch-along. It was very fun. It was really fun. We had a really lovely time. But those watch-alongs are just the bare minimum. At higher levels, you can also get our movie recommendations and a monthly newsletter with the curation of all the gay shit we find on the internet. Uh, Thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us on the highest tier on Patreon, Rainbow Parents both. Thank you so much. Make sure you're following us and subscribe to us on whatever your podcatcher is so you are notified when we have our next episode out. We have been Jazza John and Rowan Ellis and we are edited by Julia Shafini and are part of Multitude. Find more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions. Thank you so much, my doe lens. See you soon. Bye.